We're going to go into today's word uh, in Ecclesiastes 4. And so if you have your Bibles, please open them. Ecclesiastes 4, we're going to start reading from verse 9. And today's sermon is called Two Are Better Than One. And you'll see why that is as we go into today's passage. So if you have it, Ecclesiastes 4. I'll start at verse 9, and I'll read the verse 12. This is King Solomon, who's giving us his wisdom. So please listen to the word of God. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken." This is the word of the Lord. Last, uh, last week, we talked about the design of community, how we're designed to be woven into the fabric of the body together. Um, and we talked about that at that level. It was a little bit abstract. I, I think that you followed, but uh, we talked a little bit about how we are made. Today, it's actually a very practical sermon, very um, on the ground because it comes from the wisdom literature of Solomon. And what Solomon teaches us about community very practically is that there's power. There's practical power in community. And there's power for two things in our lives that we really need. He says community is powerful for thriving in your life, and community is powerful for just surviving in your life. And I think that uh, as we look at this, we'll see a lot of points uh, in which we can relate because we're trying to build our life and thrive, but a lot of us, we're just trying to get through. And in today's passage, he says that community is powerful for doing both, for thriving and surviving. Um, and so if you'll bow your heads with me, let's lift up a, a prayer to ask the Lord to help us. Father, we still have a lot to learn about community, and we still have a lot to really just be transformed. And uh, still, some of us have that one last wall in our heart that we haven't been able to punch through to enter into community. We're still hanging on to the, our view of the world and our view of ourselves. And we pray that today, before community groups begin, today punch through that last wall and help us to be humble enough and sane enough and wise enough to join a community and to build into it for our own thriving and surviving in this world. So be with us as we look into your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Community is powerful for thriving is the first thing that we see in our passage today. And uh, what the book of Ecclesiastes, if you've never read it before, this is the basic idea of the book of Ecclesiastes. And I know that some people have read Ecclesiastes and haven't really understood what it's about, but this is what it's about. Solomon is trying to teach us through his own life experience what it means to have a life well lived, what it means to build a good life. Um, and you know, it's not easy for us to take time to think about these things because we're so busy, right? Most of the world, most of the population of the world are just trying to get through, just trying to get to the end of the day, just trying to make sure we have enough to have our kids fed and to just try to get through our jobs. And many of us don't have the time to spend deeply thinking about these things, right? That's the reality of our world. And that's why we don't have a lot of philosophers in our world, right? First of all, it doesn't pay that well. And most of us have to tend to what we need to tend to. We're really busy, right? Solomon's in a unique position. What if you weren't so busy? What if you had the luxury of no need, 
What if you had the luxury of no urgency in your life, no children to tend to? What if you had all the money in the world and time? I see all of you fantasizing about this right now. <laughs> I see your eyes just glazing over, right, because you're fantasizing about this. Well, Solomon had this. Solomon had this unique opportunity in his life because he was in this rarefied position where he was king of Israel and had access to all of these things. Not only that, Solomon had this really unusual wisdom that God had endowed to him. Now, if it were many of us, we would use all of these things just to indulge ourselves. But Solomon said, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to take this rare opportunity to just indulge myself and just to splurge and enjoy life. But instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to find out what's actually worthwhile in this life. Because I know that not everybody has this chance. I know that most people have to go to their jobs and get back and take care of their kids and do what they need to do and just get enough time to get to bed. But I have this luxury of time and wisdom and funding. And so I'm going to use my rare position to find out what is worthwhile in this life and what is vanity. And I'm going to pass on this knowledge to future generations for them to live in a way that is wise. And so what he does is he starts by gathering wealth and, and, and self-indulgence and just enjoying all of these different things. He buys stuff and builds gardens and buildings and he takes his work and his success to the pinnacle where, where most of us were trying to get to. He takes it to the pinnacle to find out what is actually worthwhile in life and what's not. What he finds out then at least in, this, uh, in the arena of work, is that work in and of itself is vanity. Just work for work's sake is vanity. But there's something worthwhile in work, and the thing that's worthwhile in work is if you work together. If you build together, there's something worthwhile in that. He found out through his little life experiment, he found that there's actually something worthy if you're able to work together. He tells us that two are greater than one. And if you're able to work together, you have a greater reward for what you're working towards. It's, you get more thriving if you work together. Now, I think that many of us, this is not a surprise to us. You knew that, right? And most of you are thinking, wow, you had to do this life experiment to figure that out. I mean, come on, read a book, right? We know this, right, that you could get more done together. But actually, the more you chew on that, Tim Keller says that uh, wisdom literature is much more like hard candy than it is food. You have to take your time and to think about it to get what the writer intended out of it. If you actually think about it, we believe this less than we think, you know, we believe that if we work alone, that we could get more done. We believe that working in isolation is actually better than trying to cooperate with others. We believe this because it's hard to work in teams. It's hard to galvanize people. It's hard to raise a team and train them and to get more done through a team. That's hard. There's conflicts that arise. People end up being unreliable. You know what that's like. And so many of us, whether we know it or not, actually want to work alone. And even if you think about the way that you do your job, you're trying to like hack it so you could just get people to stay away from you so you could just get your part done. Many of us don't believe that two are better than one, even though intellectually you may think you do. Maybe it's because you want to do things your way and get all the credit, or you just don't want to go through the time of, of creating cooperation around you. Whatever the case is, uh, we have this tendency. Um, 
you know, I wasn't going to say this, but there was a book that I read. Um, it was, it's called the, the Social Conquest of Earth. It's a book that none of you will probably read because it's not that interesting, but um, I'll give you one interesting bit from it. It was written by this Harvard professor, Nobel Prize winning Harvard professor. I think his name is Wilson. And he wrote this book and he was basically explaining why the most successful species on earth were successful. And I think he chose ants, termites, bees, and humans. And um, he was just showing how there's self-sacrifice and interconnectivity in these species, and that's why um, there's so much success. In fact, if you weigh all the ants in the world and all the humans in the world, um, ants actually end up being a little heavier than us. And so he's explaining this, and yet he said there's one glitch in humans that's not in ants, termites, and bees. The glitch that's in our species is that we come to points where we think we don't need other people. And that's why compared to ants, termites, and bees, we actually don't end up being as successful as these other communities because we have this thing in our hearts, this glitch that thinks we don't need you. He doesn't use the word sin, but that's really actually at the core of it. And that's why, brothers and sisters, Solomon says, you believe this less than you think, two are better than one. You need community, and community's practical power is that you get more out of community than you do all by yourself. Not only that, Solomon tells us that this reward, you know, when you read the first four chapters of Ecclesiastes, this is one thing Solomon finds out. He finds out that no matter how successful you are, no matter how much you pour out into your company, your business, your church, your ministry, one thing happens to all of us. We die. And when we die, we have to hand our business to the next person. And we have very little control over how that next person is going to treat your business, your firm, your church, or whatever you've built with your life. That at a certain point, all of us hit that intersection in our lives and we have to die. And the next person might be a complete idiot. And they might destroy with one bad generation everything that you've built. And that's why he says work in and of itself is vanity. If you game it out all the way to the end, if it's just work and you're just trying to get success, it is vanity because you can't control the future of that work as much as you think. You know, life is short, but also life is long, right? Life is long and you need wisdom to think about what's going to happen to your work. And so when he says you get a greater reward for your work if you work together, I don't think he's just talking about output. You get more output. But he's talking about there is a special joy that comes from working together in harmony that even the next generation, even if they're completely inadequate, they may take away your business and ruin everything that you built up, but the one thing they can never take away is the joy and fulfillment that you got working together. That's something that the next person cannot take away. And that's why he says that's worthwhile. Working together, building for greater reward and to experience that joy together, that's actually worthwhile. And Solomon tells us if you want to thrive in this life, you need to understand the practical power of community. That's what thriving means in community. And brothers and sisters, you know what that means? Is that for our kingdom ministry here at Mosaic and our church, what that means for us is that we need you. It means that we need you. If this is true, if the word of God is true, if he's not lying to us today, and if this is true, then that means that in order for us to build our church and our ministry correctly, we need you. 
not only so that we can have greater output for the kingdom, not just that, but we need you for greater joy. We need you for greater happiness and fulfillment in this ministry. We need you in order to do this work well and wisely. And I know we have visitors here today. I'm not necessarily speaking to you. Welcome. But some of you have been coming to our church for actually quite a bit of time. And you have not joined in to the labor and ministry of the kingdom with us. If that's you, we are building inadequately because we don't have you. We are missing out on joy because we don't have you. If God is not lying to us today, if God is telling the truth, that means that we do need you, brothers and sisters. So join in in the work of the kingdom together. If you don't know what to do, you can email me. Email me today. My email is Dave Park, um, Dave Park at nj, njmosaic.org. Um, I knew that. Um, you can email me and say, you know, Pastor Dave, I, I do believe God's telling the truth, and I, and I haven't done anything, but I do want to serve. What can I do? We'll figure something out. And I'm sure that the Lord has put into your heart and your hands gifts that we can develop and learn together. We'd love to build with you and uh, discover that joy that we've been missing this whole time you've been here. Love to hear from you. Community is important for thriving. There's a power in community practically to thrive in life. Secondly, not only is community powerful for thriving, but we need community just to survive. Community is powerful for surviving. Community is, is important for us to just get through life's hardships together. And in the midst of COVID-19, so many things have come up in our lives, right? In our families, our marriages, and we need each other just to get through well and make it to the other side. Solomon here gives us a picture of a traveler who's going long distances and shows us that the traveler who's traversing a long life needs to be wise and use the power of community to survive the trip. Survive the trip. Many of you know this. Many of you know that uh, life is hard. Your career is hard. Your marriage is hard. Parenting is hard. All of these things are very difficult. And Solomon tells us that in order for us to do it well, we need each other. Especially because there are three things that you see here in these three verses, verse uh, 10 to 12, that all travelers face and should be aware of in the midst of their travels. All travelers face the fall, the freeze, and the fight. The fall, the freeze, and the fight. And if you're going to get through life well, you're going to need community to survive all of these three things. First, the fall. Let's read verse 10 together. It says this. If they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. You know, one of the great dangers of traveling alone is there are some serious falls that you could take. When you read this passage, it's not just talking about slipping on ice. I slipped on ice this week or last week, right? and I slipped like right in front of this mom taking her little kid to, to school, and it was so embarrassing, and I, was, it was, I really got hurt. But I got up, you know, in 30 seconds, and my pride was hurt, but I made it up, you know. And all of us have had falls like that. But those are the kind of falls when you can get up on your own. That's not what Solomon is talking about. Solomon is talking about the kind of fall where no matter what you do, you can't get out by yourself. Life has those kind of falls. And all of us who live our lives will experience a fall like that in our lives. Now, if you're naive and you think that you won't and that you 
are immune to this because I don't know why. You're born this special person that you can pick yourself up from every fall and you think you're special. I don't know. But Solomon tells us that we in life experience these kind of falls, a kind of fall where you can't get up by yourself. A lot of movies kind of came through my thoughts as I prepared for the sermon this week, and the movie that came to my mind this uh, week when I, at, when I was looking at this was that movie, 127 Hours. Some of you might have seen that. It's a story of a hitchhiker, uh, not a hitchhiker, a hiker who's hiking through Utah, and he takes this precipitous fall into this crack, and he's all alone, and because he's all alone, he ends up in that crack, stuck for 127 hours. It's a true story. And he's not able to get out of that crack until he takes out a knife and he comes to the tragic decision, but the life-saving decision to cut his own arm off to get out of this crack. Solomon says that if you travel alone, there are falls that you're not going to be able to get out of yourself without great damage to yourself. He says the fall is why we need people. And that's why the practical power of life is in community. Now, there are a lot of things that happen to us, but one of the things that really happens to us is big sin falls. These precipitous sin falls that come into our lives where it's very difficult for us to get out of. Terrible things that we've done in our lives that we can't come out of by ourselves. Some of you maybe have experienced that and have never really recovered from a sin fall like that in your life. We've seen even spiritual leaders as of late, a lot of spiritual leaders, pastors, uh, famous speakers, precipitous falls in their lives because of sin. Many of them because they did ministry alone and did not have accountability and did not have people to talk to. But it's not just pastors and these famous speakers who have these precipitous falls. It's all of us who are prone to it. According to Solomon, we need each other because of these falls. We need each other because what the power of community means in the Christian community is in the face of cancel culture, in the face of this kind of thing that's happening right now, what the Christian community is supposed to do is that when our brother and sister fall, this kind of fall, the bad kind of fall, we lift each other up. That's just what we do. Galatians 6.1 says this, Paul says, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, post it on social media and cancel that person? No. If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. You who are, if you're spiritual, you think you're spiritual, you think you have morality and justice on your side, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. That doesn't mean we gloss over it. That, means, that doesn't mean we act like it never happened. But it means we go through that long and arduous process together to lift our brother and sister back up. You are spiritual. You help people who have fallen. My brothers and sisters, community is powerful practically because we all fall. And when we fall, we pick each other up. The second thing for surviving is not only the fall, but the freeze. Read verse 11 with me. It says this. Again, if two lie down together, they keep warm, but how can one keep 
warm alone. The second thing the traveler has to be really careful of when they're traveling long distances is the freeze, is the cold. If they're not properly prepared for the cold, then it's going to be really, really dangerous for that uh, traveler. And I can't help but to think about the revenants, right, in this, uh, in this passage. And I don't know if you all saw it. It's a very intense movie. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is the main character, and I think it's a story about revenge, but he's the story takes place in this devastatingly cold place. I don't know, I even know exactly where it is, but one night, uh, the main character, Leonardo DiCaprio, it's so cold and his fire went out and he has no way to survive the night of the frigid temperatures because he's got nobody else to help keep him warm. And so what does he do? He cuts open a dead horse and he sleeps inside the body of a dead horse just to make it, just to survive. And that picture was like ingrained in my memory when I saw it. And it highlights the fact that if you decide to go and walk your spiritual life alone, you're going to be in some pretty desperate situations. Oftentimes in our spiritual lives, it's not sudden precipitous falls that kill us, but it's slowly freezing in our heart for God. Slowly getting cold in our heart and desire for God. Slowly feeling like he's a million miles away. Slowly feeling like he's nowhere near. Who has, I mean, during COVID, who hasn't felt that at least once? Right? I have. And Solomon says that we all come into frigid seasons. And that's why we need each other. That's the practical power of community. We're supposed to warm one another when that season comes. It's going to happen to you. It's going to happen to all of us. We're all going to hit that season. But some of us have been in that season way longer than we should because we have not been in community. You know, this summer I did a lot of grilling and I've been using coals. And I was looking at these cold coals. You know, you, what, what you do is you... If you're cooking something for a long time, you need a lot of coals. And you can't keep putting the, um, the gasoline on it and lighting up each time you need coals. But you know what you do? Is you take cold coals and you take two hot coals from the, the previous uh, batch. And what you do is you take some of the coals and you put it on top of the cold coals. And then you go away and you come back. And what happens is those two warm coals have lit on fire and warmed up white hot heat the rest of that cold pile. And I remember grilling and thinking, that's community, right? We need each other because who, who among us have not grown cold, right? But the point of community, Solomon says, the practical power is that you could take hot coals and put them into a cold small group, a cold community group, and those who are on fire for God can spread it and help each other. You see, that's what he's called us to. Sometimes when your heart is cold, brothers and sisters, it's not this revival that God sends straight down to you like lightning. Sometimes, but oftentimes what happens is you get together with somebody else who is on fire for God and you begin to wake up to the Spirit himself. Sometimes that's why we do so many testimonies here at Mosaic. That's why sometimes the, the, the best thing that happens to a community that's cold and dry is somebody comes to faith and shares their testimony of God with the community. And those who have been cold for a really long time are challenged, right? We're challenged by this new believer who's come to Christ, and their testimony lights us back on fire. That's what we're supposed to do, Solomon says. Because the freeze is real, and those who are wise understand that freeze comes. 
And if you're not in community, you're going to be frozen for a really, really long time. The last thing that he tells us about is not just the fall and not the freeze, but the fight. Verse 12 says this, Though a man might prevail against one who's alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Lastly, the thing that Solomon says that we need community for is the fight. If you travel, one of the things that you know is that when you're alone, you're very vulnerable. Right? You're very vulnerable. You have to sleep. You have to, to do things that make you very vulnerable, and somebody may attack you. But if you're not alone, you're much less vulnerable to attack. And brothers and sisters, I just want to connect this with Christians who are under spiritual attack because eventually that's going to happen to us. Spiritual attack comes to us even when you're not sinning. You see, the first two happen because there's something wrong that we do, right? But this last one, even if you're doing spiritually so well, spiritual attack can come to you and can endanger your spiritual growth. You know, we not only have to be careful of the fall, these big sins, not just the freeze, growing cold, but also opposition, the fight. And the fight will come to you, and I want to ask you today, when the fight comes to you, who do you have with you? Honestly, who do you have with you? You know, Peter tells us that Satan, he hunts and he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And so I watch Discovery Channel. I try to understand, I wonder how lions hunt, because I don't know how they hunt. So I was watching Discovery Channel, and there was a show on pre- about predators, deadliest predators kind of thing, and I was watching it, and it was about how lions hunt. And it was very interesting, because it showed that like many animals, lions hunt by looking for strays. They're looking for those who have been isolated from the pack. Because, I mean, why waste your time going after uh, a very difficult meal when you could pick off an easy meal? So this is what lions do. But you know what I saw? I saw this one thing in Deadliest Predators where it was going after like this deer-looking animal. And this, uh, it has no, no way to defend itself, right? It didn't have antlers, didn't have claws. These two lions were coming after this deer-looking thing. But then out of the forest came two other of these deer-looking things. And then these three deer things chased away the two lions, And I was thinking, like, why are the lions afraid of these things? Because they don't have claws, they don't really have teeth, they don't uh, really have horns, so, like, why are they running away? But that's how things work, right? Lions don't go after a herd. If they do, it's only to isolate somebody. But lions hunt this way. Lions are looking for those who are alone. And Peter says, look at lions. Satan prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. The fight is going to come to you. As soon as you got baptized, you were enlisted in the battle. And he says this is the way the enemy works. He's looking for people who refuse to go into community because they're easy pickings. Who do you have with you? Are you ready for the fight? Solomon tells us that community is powerful in these situations. And when we make this kind of community, brothers and sisters, we actually become the gospel community that God has called us to be. That's what I realized looking at this. As I thought about this, I realized that the kind of community that Solomon is calling us to is actually a gospel community that reflects the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
Now, if you've been in the church long enough, you've heard this phrase, right? Gospel community, gospel-centered community. What does that mean? It means this. You know what's interesting about our faith in opposition, in, in contrast, I mean, to other religions is that other religions, uh, Buddhism, atheism, Hinduism, you know, um, I, I, loved, I loved in the past to study comparative religion. And what I realized that these other religions tell you this, your salvation is found from inside of you. If you are enlightened, if you come to a point of learning, if you come to this kind of point, your salvation's in there, you just got to find it. And then you'll hit nirvana, you'll hit salvation, but it's in there. You know what's interesting about Christianity? Christianity says, I'm sorry, there's nothing in there. Your salvation comes from somebody else. And you cannot be saved unless you connect to someone else in the person of Jesus Christ. And it's in connecting to someone else that you find salvation. You keep looking inside, you're going to be lost forever. But by connecting to someone else, someone else's righteousness, that's how you find salvation. What does it mean then to be a gospel community? A kind of community that reflects that. It's not to show up to church and just have this relationship with God and just be completely isolated from everyone else. That doesn't look like the gospel. What it means to be a gospel community is to be a community that understands that God has made us a body and that we need each other. And when we start doing that, we start to reflect the gospel of Jesus Christ because he's the one who came to us and he lifted us up from the fall. He's the one that came and he melted our frozen heart of stone and gave us a heart of flesh. He's the one that came and fought our battle for us because we couldn't win it. And he's the one that gave us victory in the fight. And when we live in gospel community, not only is it wise, but we start to replay the gospel in our community together. And that's what he's called us to do, is to be a gospel community centered around the Jesus that saved us. There was a lot of stuff, but I just want to close with a quick two-part application. Because it's not enough. There's going to be, I'm going to have to say two more things in order for this to, to really get through. For a community to really work, you need these two things. You need urgency and intentionality. First, you need urgency. Here's the thing about these three things that Solomon warns us against, the fall, the freeze, and the fight. These three things, they come to you immediately, instantly, out of nowhere, these things hit you in your life. But you can't build community instantly. You can't have friendship like this. When these three things hit you, you can't say, oh my gosh, I need community now. The way it works is that you need community before these things hit you. You cannot get the community that protects you in a moment. You need to be already in community when these things hit you. And that's why many of us think, I'm fine. You are prime pickings for Satan. The people who say, I don't really need it. They're the ones who are straying and Satan prowls around like a roaring lion with his sights on you. But if you're in community already, that's when the protection comes. And that's why, brothers and sisters, today at 5 o'clock, even if you feel like you don't need community, I pray that you would sign up and join a community 
and protect yourself and live a wise life. But the last thing is, not only do you need to be urgent in joining community, you have to be intentional. Did you know that just joining community groups is not going to save you? Did you know that just being in a community group is not going to take you all the way? In fact, community when done poorly, friendships even among Christians when done poorly can make you fall, can make you freeze, and you can fight with each other. Isn't that crazy? If you have bad Christian relationships or shallow Christian relationships, you can actually freeze each other instead of light each other on fire. You can actually pull each other down to sin instead of pull each other out of sin. And you can fight with each other instead of defending one another. Did you know that being in a community group is not enough? You need to be intentional about what you do in these groups. You need to be intentional about what you do with your relationships. Men of Mosaic, I want to call you out because we're not good at this. Men, we're, we have a hard time with intentional community. Many of us have shallow relationships and have had shallow relationships for a long time and you've fallen, frozen, and have been fighting alone. If these relationships are not intentional, then joining a community group is not going to do it for you. We need to have an intentional, urgent call to a new kind of boldness in our community together. Because the fall, the freeze, and the fight, it's coming your way. And if you want to survive, then we need to have a kind of gospel community that God is calling us to. And if we do, we can build the kingdom together in a way that is not only greatly fruitful, but intensely joyous together. Because there's a greater reward when we believe God and we join community together. So today of five, we're going to do registration. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. And I pray that as God changes your heart in the gospel, that he will light us on fire, defend us, and make sure that we pick each other up when we fall. Let's pray together as we come to the Lord.